So we started a series on gifts, and in particular, uh, gifts that tend to be uh, forgotten. Kind of like every week I forget it. I'm going to need that clicker if I'm going to be down here. Uh, but there are gifts that just don't get as much attention, and this one today is very much that way. I was telling Tanya earlier that I think maybe most people forget that this particular spiritual gift is even in the list. Like, it, it just gets completely overlooked. Uh, it's not as flashy as some others, and it just kind of falls back in our attention. And yet, there may not be a more impactful gift when it comes to day-to-day discipleship and Christian living than this one. This is a rubber-meets-the-road, really-makes-an-impact sort of a spiritual gift. And it's one uh, that I think we need to, to shine a light on and remember and, and challenge ourselves to examine, you know, has, has God given this gift to some people in the room that don't even realize that's where it came from? I think that's actually true. Uh, there are people in this room right now that I know for a fact this is their spiritual gift. And yet those very same people have said to me, I just don't even know if I have anything. Oh, you don't know what you got. Okay, so we're going to look at this one today. It's the gift of, as you can see up there, it is the gift of helpfulness. When people read lists, again, they don't they don't say, oh, you know, I, I've got the spiritual gift of helpfulness or I wish I had the gift of helpfulness. People in the first century struggled and Paul had to teach them a little bit better because they thought only the whiz-bang gifts start, uh, mattered. And it became all about the gifts like speaking in tongues or prophecy or interpretation and things like that. And so they they leaned in on that like it showed some greater spiritual maturity. Paul, when he writes what we're going to read, is trying to correct that understanding. He wants them to know, yes, those are gifts that come from the Spirit, but they are not the only gifts. And not only are they not the only gifts, but those people do not matter more who have them. Every gift matters. Every gifted person is used by God and matters. And every Christian is a gifted person in some way or another or in multiple ways. I mean, kind of get in our head that there's only one thing, too, and that's that's not true either. But this one gets neglected and underappreciated even when it's around and being used. I just I think we ought to correct that a little bit, don't you think? So let's look at it. First, let's start in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to start in verse 12. I'm going to be reading from the NIV. If you're a, if you're an iPhone person or a, 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 a Sandroid, that's like an Android from San Angelo, okay? A Sandroid, one of those things. It's probably a cheap knockoff at a Russian market. That's what a Sandroid is. Kind of like Panascanic phones when I was there. Uh, if you're one of those people and you want to use the Uversion app, it is in there and it, it might be helpful today as well. Let's read this, verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of, excuse me, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, 
because I am not an I, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Hear that for yourself? God has placed every part in the body just as he wanted them to be, every one of you too. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have the gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Okay, there's a lot there. We're not going to look at all of it today. I really want us to hone in on one, that general attitude Paul has. Every part of the body matters. He says it more than once because he really wants us to understand that because the church in Corinth didn't. Their weakness was that they thought some parts had more glory and more importance and some had more authority or more whatever. And he's correcting them so that they will understand every one of your brothers and sisters matters. Whatever it is the Spirit has poured into them to bring to the table, it matters and it's needed and it's important. Those people that had those gifts are important. He tells us not to get hung up in our ego, and that's that's really tough because that was what their struggle was. And he tells us that mostly in the next chapter, which we won't look at today. That's a whole other extra timer on my phone. Uh, but in 13, he then goes on and says, what is the, the greater gift we are to eagerly desire? Love. Love. That at the root of why every gift matters is because every gift is an expression of love, a love of God the Father and a love of your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so he tells them, I want you to eagerly desire the greater gifts. He didn't say what those greater gifts were because it is the gifts that are used in love to God's glory, period, whatever that gift may be. Notice when he says, does everybody do this? He doesn't list the gift again that we're actually looking at today. I'm not sure. I think that might be a, a little bit of a, a strategic literary thing that he did because it's not the one they were struggling with. People who struggle with ego rarely struggle with being too helpful. It's true. Uh, it's just servant's heart usually doesn't come out of it. It's an overactive ego. And so it doesn't end up in that list, but it is there. Helpful. 
the gift of being helpful. Uh, yeah, how do we define that? I was looking the other day and I found uh, a definition that we'll get to here in a second. And I, I think it, I think it, I think it will be helpful. Because when we think about that, it's really just kind of practical. I chose this picture for that reason. This is just, you know, another soccer player, an adult or a coach out there helping tie the shoe of a, of a younger player. Very simple, right? Not a great big deal. Just tying a shoe. But that's the kind of action that speaks to people who have that sort of a heart, who have that sort of a gift. They see things differently. They focus differently. They catch things differently, and then they go do something about them. And we'll come back to that. Before we do that, let's look at why it gets overlooked. First, it is not one of the, uh, I, I keep using the phrase whiz-bang things. It doesn't make a lot of noise. It's more of a behind-the-scenes thing. And so people with this gift are not going to be flashy. If you have the gift, it's not about you. And so, And you know that. That's part of the gift is that perspective that you know it's not about you. So there are people who do a lot of things. There are people who do a lot of things that tend to be behind the scenes. But if it's constant praise they seek, if it's constant ego stroke they seek, if it has become about them, sorry, you don't have that gift or you are really immature in that gift. Hey, because that's an immaturity that is not from the spirit. If it's all about us, if it's all about our gratitude, if it's all about our praise, it if the only reason I'll do anything is either for money or praise, you don't have the gift. You have something else that you actually need to address in your spiritual life. Okay, I think we have to say that because this is what Paul was dealing with in 1 Corinthians 12 in the church at Corinth. A lot of egos going on. People with the gift are not going to call all the attention to themselves. That's never what it's about. And so we overlook that. It's not always flashy because it might just be tying a kid's shoe. It might just be washing dishes after the potluck. It might just be straightening chairs when nobody's around. It might just be all those things and, and nobody actually even knows. Sometimes people don't know a person has that gift because they're exercising in a way that actually Jesus teaches. Don't seek praise. Don't seek attention. Don't seek a spotlight. Just go do. Okay? So sometimes we don't even realize how many people have the gift or how much they actually express it. We just benefit from the things that they've done and praise God for the things they've done, which sometimes is part of his plan. Okay? Sometimes it's it's meant to be that way. The second reason is uh, when you look at, at this text in 12, it's just we, we over-spiritualize some of the other gifts and we think they're more spiritual. We don't think being helpful is spiritual. A man who could easily have a full ego of himself and and not be willing to bend down and tie a kid's shoe has a spiritual problem, doesn't he? It's like Jesus washed feet. People sometimes refuse to do so because they feel like it's beneath them. But if you have this gift, you don't feel that way. If you have to have something that draws attention, you'll overlook this one and not care. And so it just it gets lost in the shuffle of our ego. It gets lost in the shuffle of whiz-bang and noise. And let me ask you this one. Challenge yourself. 
do you think you might have this particular gift? Have you thought about it as a work of the Spirit or just a thought? Have you thought of it just as personality? Have you really considered that God could actually cause you to grow and give you this gift? The Spirit gives gifts according to the grace that he's given us and according to the faith that we have. Have you ever asked the Spirit for a gift that would bring you more attention, but never asked the Spirit to help you to just be a more helpful servant in the body of Christ? We need, the world needs, more people with the gift of helping. Just the gift of helping. So what does that actually start to look like? One of the examples that we have in Scripture is going to be in Acts 6. But before we go there, I want to read this quote from uh, a website called uh, The Spiritual Gifts Project. And they're working on helping people understand and find their gifts. And they wrote this, The gift of helps, and that's the way it's said in some translation. It'll either say helping or helpful or helps. Like I think that's what the King James says. The gift of helps is generally understood to refer to the ability to provide practical assistance and support to others, often behind the scenes or in a less visible way. Hey, that is a solidly needed gift in our world where people have become completely narcissistic, where help is sometimes faked to be put on Instagram and to gather likes. The world needs people where the Spirit works through them to just do what needs to be done without the glory going anywhere but to God, without the agenda to be anything but His, and with love and kindness for the people that have needs, and they're being served. And that is a gift from the Spirit. Don't think for a second it is a lesser gift. I think Paul, in a way, is hinting that this would be among the greater gifts. In Acts chapter 6, I said, we'll go there. In Acts chapter 6, you find that some people sometimes call it the story of the first deacons. They're never called that, but deacon means servant, and they're servants, so it makes sense, right? They have a problem. There's growing division within the church, which is always bad and always said. There's growing division within the church over how bread had been distributed among the widows. And among these widows, you have people who are Jews who are of a more uh, traditional background, and you have Jewish widows who are of a more Greek-influenced background. So there's some ethnic and cultural issues. And this ethnic-cultural divide is causing division because they feel like that whoever was distributing the bread up until this point is doing so in a way that favors one of those divides more than the other. And so it's causing jealousy and insecurity and problems and hunger and all things like that. And so they just go to Peter and the apostles and say, what are we going to do? How are we going to handle this? Well, Peter is an apostle. He has a job to do. He has a function himself and a giftedness himself that he needs to do. And he doesn't have the time to do all of that. So this is the solution that he comes up with. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. They're not putting down waiting on tables. It's important we understand that. Their attitude's not bad. They're just saying God gave us a role 
and we would be unfaithful to abandon it to do another role. We just need more people to fulfill the role. We need people to pass out the roles. It's bread. So, you know, it's a matter of all kinds of roles. It wouldn't be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word. Brothers and sisters, this is verse 3, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. The proposal pleased the whole group, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Taman, uh, Par- Parmenas. This is hard far, and I'm getting into my Mr. Magoo range here on the table too, Steve. It's happening. It's a little far away, uh, even with the glasses. Those guys, a convert to Judaism, and then presented these men to the apostles and prayed and laid their hands on them. There's a few things I want us to catch. One, I'm going to go to the end. They commissioned these people. They wanted them to know, we see in you a giftedness of the Spirit, and we've got a responsibility for you. And so they pray for them. They lay hands on them. This is, if you're looking for how the church is supposed to do things like an Acts, this is how the church is supposed to do things like an Acts. We need to do that. We need to more actively bless and commission and commit people to a ministry. We need to be more, I know I'm talking we in the big picture and just here. That needs to happen more. We need more people who are willing to stand up like these men and be full of the Spirit and full of God's desire to build the kingdom and ready to go. And so that's that's who they choose. You might ask yourself, why did they need men full of the Spirit just to serve bread? Because every service is a spiritual act. Everything that we do as a church matters spiritually. Everything. Any act of service takes a heart that is humble and that is wanting to do that to God's glory. So pick people who know what it's about. Pick people whose heart and spirit are enmeshed in God's work and in God's will and in God's agenda. Pick people who are full of the spirit because it's a spiritual work that they do, even just passing out bread. Why? Because they aren't just passing out bread. Remember, the bread problem was creating spiritual division. And these men are being asked to help heal that spiritual division by being fair, by being respectful, by having a spirit of unity rooted in their relationship with God and their giftedness of the Spirit. But the primary gift that they need to have at that moment is just the gift of being helpful. They're just willing to serve. They just want this, the, these widows to get what they need and to get it fairly and to get it in a timely manner. And they want the apostles to be able to do their work and to free them up to do their work and, and to help solve this problem. It's a, it's a great example of how this gift looks in just a, a regular daily working of the church. Okay, so what are people with this gift like? What What does it look like? If you're asking yourself, You know, is this me or is this maybe it's your husband or your wife or maybe one of your kids or it's the person sitting next to you? Maybe you recognize this already. Here are some things that uh, help us to understand what a person who has this gift looks like, because I think all the whiz bang ones, we kind of get that. 
You know, if, if somebody uh, has the gift of prophecy and powerful teaching, then then you kind of could figure that out, right? If somebody had a gift of interpretation, you would figure that out. But what does this look like? Well, here they are. I'm going to try and remember. You know what I'm going to do? Here, I'm going to get ahead. Let me click them all so that I don't have to think about this. There, okay. First, serve whenever needed to support the gifts and ministry of others. And they've put, this list also comes from this project about spiritual gifts. Without having to be told. I think that's when you know it's really a gift. Lots of people are helpful if you ask. And sometimes you do need to ask because you need to make people aware of a need. But people who have this gift, they just always seem to see things differently. They see the need before anybody else. And they just start moving to go and fill it. It's a, it's an awesome thing to watch when you see somebody who truly is gifted. I'm not going to list any people today because some of them will be embarrassed. A couple of them will even argue that they don't have it, but they do. The Spirit gave them to them, and the rest of us know it. Second, see the tangible and practical things to be done. Again, just have a vision, and they catch things the rest of us may not catch, and they know what to do. It's not just that they know something needs to be done. You know, anybody can walk up and say, well, we just need to do something. You know, we just need to do something. We need to do something. We need to do something. It's good because sometimes we do need to do something, but they have no solutions. A person the Spirit has gifted in this way, they often, they kind of intrinsically know what needs to be done, and that that's a, a tremendous gift. Uh, they sense God's purpose and pleasure in meeting everyday responsibilities. They're not just doing things because they need to be done. They do this because it, it pleases God. It's like Eric Liddell when he would talk about why he ran in, uh, I just lost the whole title of that, but it's not the sound of music. And for some reason, that's what popped up. The guy who raced, the Scottish guy, he said, I, when I run, I run to the glory of God. And that's how these people serve. When they serve, they know they serve to the glory of God. They, they understand that what they do is spiritual. I mentioned that earlier. They enjoy knowing that they are freeing others up to do what God has called them to do. It's not about them. They know that they're making life in the body better. You know, they're not a they're not a pageant winner. It's not just I want to make the world a better place. They actually know how to do some of the things that make it a better place. And they just naturally do them and they're glad to do them. They'd rather do a job than find someone else to do it. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna put a caveat on this, okay? Some people are control freaks, and so they have that attitude. That's not a gift of the spirit, okay? Control freak, not a gift of the spirit. Uh, there's probably been an elbow or two go across the room there, but I didn't see it. Uh, but that's not the same thing. This is somebody who really just they they just want to get it done. Let's just do this. I know it needs doing, and I can do it. Let's let's do it, and it's it's not about them. And then finally, they feel like they have a purpose when they're helping somebody. And especially true uh, if it makes that person's life easier. Again, it's outward focus. All spiritual gifts are not about that person. All of them. All spiritual gifts have an other's focus. How can this be a blessing to others? And that's their motive and their reason for being. And then all spiritual gifts have one truly high purpose. And that is to bring honor and glory to God. And so I want to close on this passage from Colossians that we know well. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all 
in giving thanks to this, that I skipped a line, give it all to the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The number one sign of any gift is that it's glory to God. It's for him and that it's always going to be about him and blessing other people and that he receives the praise. So uh, whatever your gift may be, I pray that's the, the way that it gets used. I encourage you, pray about this one. All of us, we, we need to pray about this one. We need more people. Our world is self-absorbed, and there's nothing that speaks more loudly as light in a dark place than people who are others-focused, God-glorifying, and helpful in all that they do and in every circumstance.